This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Kings of the Podcast coming to you live from the Scott Barney Studios here in Southern California. I am the mayor, John Hoven, joined by, as always, Dennis Bernstein, DB. Welcome back. Scott Barney. <laughs> Scott Barney. You're the best mayor. Look, look, here's the deal. You go deep. Well, here's the deal. Today, on today's show, we're bringing on the second overall pick uh, in in the uh, LA Kings uh, recent draft. And, uh, 2020 draft. Yeah, yep. thank you very much. Scott Barney was selected in the second round, so not the number two overall, but second round. And he played for the Peterborough Peets in the Ontario League, which is where Akil Thomas plays, uh, one, of, one of Quentin Byfield's friends. And, and we'll probably get into that during the podcast. But, hey, man, Scott Barney played 27 games in the NFL. NHL, including scoring five goals. Uh, so, you know, some people that's might pretty not. pretty good clip, John. Well, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, you know. But actually, the year he scored five goals, by the way, that was five goals and 11 points in 19 games. That was in the 03-04 season. Uh, then after that, he was with the Atlanta Thrashers. He played three games there. Rob Koch, the LA Kings PR guy, was the PR guy for yeah. Atlanta at the time. But, hey, you want to talk about that 03-04 roster? While most people will not remember Scott Barney, just take a look at this, DB. On that team, you had Luke Robitaille, Froloff, uh, Trent Klatt. Okay, fine. You had... Uh, Ziggy Palfi, you had Stumple, you had uh, Derek Armstrong, you had Eric Belanger, hey. a mayor's fa- a mayor favorite there. You had Motri, oh, yeah, Visnovsky. Sure. Uh, you hey, Lappy was on that team. You had Mike Camilleri. You had a uh, Matthias Nordstrom was even still around. Uh, Anson Carter came in for a cup of coffee. Fifteen games there, and uh, in goal, Cristobal Huey. Uh, there's you know. 
So we have Roman Czechmonic. Frenchman. Hey, that that team, oh. that team, a former flyer. So of course you always have to get the get the flyers worked in there. Uh, DB on today's episode though, we have uh, Quentin Byfield, as I mentioned, coming yeah. in, and just um, as we're now a couple days away from the draft and, and re- removed from all of the debate and the discussion and who will they take and um, just any, any thoughts about uh, how things you know actually ended up shaking out. Uh, I think everything went according to plan, John. I think to get Quentin Barfield, you look at that size and, and strength and speed, and he's 17 years old. He's one of the youngest players in the draft, John. So I just think that, you know, we've talked about the breadth and the depth of the prospect pool here, but they what did they didn't have? They didn't have that crown jewel, right? I mean, maybe you could argue that they gave Velarde's, but this, without question, the number two overall pick, this is the crown jewel here. So uh, you, you, you can't help but be excited and, at the same time, you have to be patient, right? And I'm sure Quentin will talk to him about what the process is and where he, I'm sure he wants to make the squad, but I think you and I are in agreement. It's probably not going to happen this year, but um, you can't help but be excited because they got the elite player and they were going to get it either way, no matter what, what which pick they pick. But I think you can't help but be excited, but you have to temper the excitement because you have to have a little bit more patience because you're talking about he's 17, the rest of the prospects that are greater, 18, 19 years old. They're going to be playing against men. So just a little bit more patience here. Uh, but just exciting times that they were able to secure uh, Byfield with the number two pick. Well, now that you have completely disrespected Gabe Velarde, I'm going to have to get a hold of Lardo and let him know that, uh, you know, you, that that's what you said. I'm going to have to play that clip for him. Okay, you can do that. Okay. But, John, but, but, but I'll say, so then let me ask you this. Oh, I already know where you're going. <laughs> Project five years from now, who's the number one center? Who's the number two center? Uh, well, Andre, Andre Kopitar now takes exception to what you're saying, but, uh, no, I DB, you're absolutely right. Uh, the depth, the depth at center right now is just tremendous. Uh, you know, Andre Kopitar still has many good years left at the national hockey league level and coming up right behind yeah. him, you know, Gabe Velarde is at center, Turcotte's at center. You have Byfield at center. You yeah. have, uh, Rasmus Kapari, who we talked about on the previous episode with, with Christian yeah. Rutu. I mean, there's just, uh, uh, we haven't even gotten to Akil Thomas yet. So I think you'll end up seeing Thomas at wing. I think there's a good chance you'll probably. Right. Yeah. You'll probably see Turcotte or Velarde, one of those two guys, moved over to wing as well. Um, we talked with Rutu about the possibility of even moving Kapari over. I mean, you can't play seven different guys at center. No, you uh, can't. You know, so. but, but the good thing, the good thing about that, John, is that when you have that, when you have players who did play center, they can take a face off mm-hmm. in an offense or a defensive zone. So they have that flexibility to play both positions, and they have that because remember, like when you're a center, you've got to have great vision, right? Because mm-hmm. you're mostly you're mostly a facilitator, right? And, and to have that vision to go to wing and still have the vision of a center, I think that can only help this team. But I agree with you. You can't play seven guys at center unless you want to wind up making a trade. And, you know, when teams build, what do they build? They build down the middle with a center. So that could help them down the line. If they do want to secure a different type of maybe more experienced talent, you could use the center, the center talent they have, and it's just so much of it. But I agree that one thing is going to happen. You're going to have guys on the wing, or maybe you eventually move out one or two of these prospects um, to get this done. All right, so we, before we bring in Quentin Byfield, and I'd like to reserve a lot of our time today to talk with him. Yes. Um, however, I do just want to pivot back to the uh, 2021 projected roster for the LA Kings. We touched on it in the last episode. We were talking about uh, playing Kempe. Does he play with Grundstrom, and how does that all shake out? You know, there is something else that we didn't talk about, and that is where to play Jeff Carter, because I have Jeff Carter penciled yeah. in on the third line as a right wing with uh, Blake Agreed. Lazat. And, yes. and, and so what you were yes. just saying sort of triggered my, my thought process there, because you have Carter who can take face-offs as well as Lazat. 
slot, but you can put Carter on the wing and then you, he doesn't necessarily have as many of the responsibilities coming up the middle and you can capitalize on his shot. However, if you need somebody to play on that second line with Velarde and Ferk, I think Carter is an option. You could try him on his offside or you could move Ferk over there and then you could put Carter yeah. up at second line right wing and then that would leave Kempe to be able to play with Grunstrom. Grunstrom plays right and left side. You could move Grunstrom over to the right side, let Kempe play left side. You'd end up with a line of Kempe with uh, Lazat and then Grunstrom uh, and then that leaves Trevor Moore to go back down to the fourth line rather than put him up on the second line as, as you had mentioned. I mm-hmm. won't say suggested, I'll just say mentioned, but um, where do you, where do, yeah. what's your assessment of, of Jeff Carter? Where do you, where do you, would you pencil him in? Where do you think? I have him at third line right wing. Yeah, I would agree. Here's why, John. He's going to be 36 on opening night, whenever that is next season. And he's coming off core surgery. There's no way Jeff Carter is 36. Come on. He looks 26 straight off the cover of GQ. (laughs) Give me a break with your 36. I'd rather play. If you can get Carter to play 14 minutes a night and he can still be that productive goal scorer on the third line, which is what this team needs, depth scoring. I agree. That's where you start him. If you need to, move, if the guy's up on the second line, don't produce in the early going. You got to move Jeff up front, but ease him in. Like I would not bring him back in and start playing him 17, 18 minutes a night on the second line. Just wouldn't do it, right? So I think that's it. You can you can ease him in because again, what's the goal? As you you said numerous times, John, you want to get a, a more definitive look at your other players. We know what Jeff Carver, Carter can offer. I'm not sure he's the 27 a year goal scorer still. But you do need help on the uh, in the middle six scoring. So that I agree with you. I would start them on the third line, right wing, ease them into that. And if, like I said, the guys that up top are aren't productive, then you move them up the lineup. And I think he'll be willing to do that, especially at, at thirty six, despite the fact that this you think he's twenty. Well, for, and you know, period. forget about the fact that people think this is Xbox and they only want to look at goals. I think if you can get twenty goals out of Kempe on the second line and get fifteen or eighteen out of Carter on the third line, I think yeah. that that's a that's going to be an sign okay for year it right now. Yeah, sign up for it right I now. I would sign for that right now. Right now, <laughs> yeah, right I'll now. take it. <laughs> I'll send you a twenty page uh, document in a big envelope, like like what Rutu I'll received. Sign. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, I like the contract exactly. Second overall pick, DB, Quentin Byfield is going to join us on the other side of the break, and we'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about him being a part of the Los Angeles Kings. Let's take a quick break, DB. We'll be back with Quentin Byfield. Second period, welcome back. And with the LA Kings first pick in the 2020 oh, yeah. NHL draft, Quentin Byfield, QB, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you guys. Appreciate the time. Well, actually, we appreciate your time because uh, in, talking with, in talking with LA Kings PR, from what we understand, uh, you have actually been inundated with requests for interviews. So for you to take the time here, just a couple of days removed from the draft and to jump on Kings of the podcast, we really appreciate that. And uh, it goes a long way towards your understanding sort of, you know, how things work here in, in LA. Uh, if you want to be well known, you need to be on Kings of the podcast. So you made a good decision. 
Yeah, exactly. That's why, that's why I took this one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, look, we have a lot to get to. Uh, we want to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, there's really, I don't even know where to start, but how about just the overwhelming reaction, you being selected by Los Angeles. Uh, you have Dave Roberts, the manager of the Los, Angel- uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, he put out a video for you. You have the Rams doing it. Magic Johnson from the Lakers welcoming you to Los Angeles. And by the way, I saw your reply there as well. Uh, you were auditioning yeah. your services if they ever needed, you know, an extra player or two. You know, you were willing to jump in there. Uh, just just pump the brakes on that, okay? Nobody needs you playing for the Lakers right now. Everybody just, they want to see you in a They're Kings fine. uniform. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know. I can I used to play a point guard in uh, high school, so if they're any a point guard, um, a slasher, that's what I do. So, uh, you know, I could step in there or, or a wide receiver if the Rams need it. But those are huge shout-outs, and it was awesome. I mean, that, that had to be pretty unbelievable. I mean, as somebody who follows the draft and follows prospects, that's just not something that you see uh, normally. You know, you might get a welcome, you know, from maybe one of the, the, the your teammates, your new teammates, somebody in the organization. You're talking about Magic Johnson. In my opinion, really the best basketball player of all time. We can argue the whole Michael Jordan thing if you'd like, but Magic Johnson, uh, the greatest basketball player of all time, played all five positions as a rookie, and he's welcoming you uh, to Los Angeles. And then you have the Rams, and then you have the Dodgers. I mean... Just how, what was your, what was your, did, did you have a point where it just became too much, too many people, too many big things uh, right after the draft? Uh, no, I, I think I appreciate all the, um, you know, the shout outs I'm getting from those guys, you know, I'm surprised they even know who I am because they're, you know, so big, but I um, mean, you know, I, I just can't let that get to my head because, <laughs> you know, those are pretty big shout outs and, um, you know, it was crazy just like seeing, seeing all the reactions, all their tweets. And, um, you know, it's, it's very nice of them to welcome me like that. So, um, you know, once I get to LA, I'm going to at home for sure. Well, one of the things that I'm known for, uh, besides being sort of, you know, the key, gatekeeper, if you will, of the LA Kings prospects and our rankings and all the things that we do on mayorsmanor.com, I try to help the young players along. I try to make sure that they understand what it means in LA and how you need to wear a Dodger hat, okay? Uh, and I noticed that you had yeah. tweeted out a picture, uh, it was a while back, but there were, from one of your billet, or your billet family, they had uh, picked up, I think, a lot of hats for you, and you had hats from different sports. You had a Dodger hat there. You also had a Blue Jays hat. You also had a Padres hat. So I just need to know, do you have a favorite baseball team, and which hat do you plan on wearing when you come to Los Angeles? Yeah, well, you know, I'll wear the Dodgers hat now, but, Good. Um, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too big into baseball before, but, um, you know, when, when the Blue Jays were in the, you know, um, in the deep playoff run, I, I watched that quite a bit, so... I um, mean, playoff baseball is definitely super exciting. I like to watch it, so I, I'll be cheering on the Dodgers. Okay, good. So just to let you know, uh, there's quite the competition inside the LA Kings room. Uh, Andre Kopitar, once upon a time, had King, uh, excuse me, had Dodger season tickets, so he was a big fan of the Dodgers. Jared Stoll was a fan, uh, but you have Drew Doughty, of course, who claims to be the ultimate Blue Jays fan. So I just I need to tell you up front: don't get corrupted by Drew Doughty. Just stick with the Dodgers. You know, Dave Roberts <laughs> gave you the shout out, so now you have a responsibility to to uh, to your your newfound Dodger fandom. Okay. Yeah, no, I will. I'll let I'll, him um, keep the Blue Jays. I'll take the Dodgers. Then. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to clip that and send it to Drew. He can keep the Blue Jays. There you go. Yeah. Um, now, let's see here. Quentin, the name Quentin. From what I understand, it ties back to uh, Quentin Tarantino. Can you share the story with, with the listeners? Yeah, no, honestly, I, I don't really know where my name um, you know, comes <laughs> from. I think, I think my parents just, um, you know, I think they saw it on um, TV or something, um, you know, when I, when I came out of the womb almost, but. Um, you know, honestly, I, I don't really know too much about my name, but 
Um, and it's very unique, so I really like it. Okay, so th- so you're you're here to squash that rumor. It's not tied back to Tarantino. Your parents weren't big Pulp Fiction fans or Reservoir Dogs or or anything like that. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to get your parents on to get to the bottom of this. Uh, number fifty-five. Yeah. We, we're big into numerology here on the on Kings of the Podcast. Uh, Sergey Gonchar, from what I understand, was your favorite player growing up. Is that true? Yeah, no, that that is true. Is um. Back way back, um, you know, in Super Seven, I used to be a defenseman, and um, my favorite team was Pittsburgh. And um, Sergei Gonchar was my guy, so I kind of just stuck with that number throughout my whole career. But um, you know, I was also a big fan of Martin Saint Louis growing up as well. So those two guys were, um, you know, probably my favorites of all time. Now you couldn't be any more different from uh, Martin Saint Louis. He's about five two. You're about six nine. So there's like like it's like uh, this movie. This movie reference is not going to work for you because it's before your time. But there was a Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where they stood side by side. We need to get a photo of you standing next to Martin Saint Louis with that one foot difference. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> to me, a guy that um, you know you look up to forever. That'd be sick to get a picture of him for sure. If not, we'll just put you next to Blake Lazat and take a picture. But anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Zoom meetings. From what I understand, you had quite a few Zoom meetings with the Kings Brass. That includes Luke Robitaille, Rob Blake, Mark Unetti, Christian Rutu, a number of different guys. Tell us about the Zoom meetings. What, what's that like? Or what was it like? Yeah, no. I, it, was, it was honestly, they went pretty well because, um, you know, the Zoom meetings, you, you didn't have to dress up for them too much. You know, I just threw on a golf shirt or something or, um, you know, <laughs> I just rolled out of bed. If it was an early call, I'll just, um, you know, wear a hoodie. So I think that's probably, it might have been better than, um, you know, seeing them in person and I uh, try and get all dressed up. But, uh, you know, I think the Zoom calls went very well. And, um, you know, I think we went over on the call like three or four times. So, um, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of talk before. And, um, you know, I think that they saw a lot of me and that, that really said a lot and um, grew my confidence. So they're super excited to talk to those guys and uh, can't, get, can't wait to get to L.A. Well, QB, it worked out for you, but I think you and I needed to talk before those Zoom calls. There was a job audit. You were auditioning for for a job. You you were you were on the call. They were evaluating you for the second pick, and you didn't even bother. I mean, you have a good sense of style. You didn't even bother to dress up. You just you threw on a hoodie, and, and that was it. You called it a day. <laughs> Sometimes you, I didn't know how it was feeling, but um, you know, just you got to show them a little bit of uh, a little style too. So I uh, throw on a nice hoodie, just. Just so, uh, you know, be a little bit different than just a golf shirt. So, you know, just uh, change the mindset a little bit. Okay. Now, was it at least a hoodie from the Akil Thomas collection? You know, he's a big he's a big uh, apparel guy. Did he did he chip you off maybe a, a nice hoodie to wear, a little brand advertising or anything? <laughs> he's actually, he shipped me quite a bit of stuff, honestly. He, um, from the World Juniors, like we used to, we played together and, um, you know, we're pretty close buddies now. So, um, he, he even shipped me some um, Zale, Zale pair of shorts, so. I'll be rocking those in LA all day. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Quinn, um, there was so much focus on you and Tim Stutzler. Um, and Unetti brought this up on our last podcast, is that when, when you analyze a, a player so much, you start nitpicking the minor different things. So all, all the, not a lot of negative stuff, but the, the stuff that you needed to prove in your game. Did that affect you? Did you read all the, the scouting reports and the comments from, from people who, who critique your game as this was going along? Yeah, no, honestly, I try to um, stay off of, um, you know, reading all the scouting ports as much as I can. And, I um, mean, you definitely, um, when you're browsing through your social media, you see you see a couple posts about that, and, I um, mean, you definitely get intrigued. But uh, for the most part, I try to stay away from that. But, um, you know, also just just over just thinking about your game and, um, you know, seeing what other people say and, um, you know, what you have to work on. Most of it's honestly, some of it's true. So, um, you know, you can't take it too hard too much, but, you know, 
you know, you have to work on that. So, um, you know, I think I, I, I saw a couple that I had to. Are you a perfectionist? Um, you know, I, I try to be. I think everyone tries to be a perfectionist, but, um, you know, no one's perfect. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just work as hard as you can. Um, you know, however the chips lie, I think that's how it goes. But, you know, you always want to come out on top. And so quick, for this year, I know you said your goal is to make the team, to make the, the Kings, but it's not. And look, you've dominated at the OHL level. Like, so to go back to that, my question is, would going to Europe and playing in Europe be a possibility for you? Um, you know, honestly, I, I was I was saying about before, but, um, you know, honestly, I, I don't really know um, where I'm going to be. And, um, you know, with the whole quarantine um, and all the pandemic, pandemic so I, I don't really know. Um, you know, where I'm going to be. So I think it's all up in the air right now. But, um, you know, hopefully I can play in the World Juniors and um, experience that again and uh, see see wherever see wherever they would want me and the organization's thing is best for my development to go. Let's loop back to the World Juniors here in just a moment. But uh, talking about being a perfectionist and development, from what I understand, there have already been some conversations between you and perhaps the development staff um, regarding working on things like the D zone and working on face-offs and things like that. Uh, how did that sort of come to be? And what kind of information have they already given you here just, what, 72 hours after the draft? Yeah, um, you know, uh, Jared Stoll reached out to me and, um, you know, just asked me if there's anything that I need. And, um, you know, they've all reached out to me. Uh, just to, just to kind of just start our relationship already, so that was very good. And I mean, I just wanted to know some things I, I would like to work on. And I mean, I think those are two main things: just I um, you know, getting better at the D zone. Um, this is a cliche defense wins championships, and I I think that's definitely proven uh, quite a bit in the NHL. And so I think you can never get too you can never be um, you know too good in the D zone. So there's always room for improvement, and so that's something I really like to improve on in my faceoffs as well. So. I mean, all of those are two things I think they can definitely help me with. And are you back on the ice skating right now? I know some guys are and some guys aren't just based on availability. Have you been Have you been on the ice recently? Yeah, no, honestly, I like since I've been home, um, right after the pandemic, I probably only took uh, two weeks off, and then I was lucky enough to get some ice and um, and and into the gym as well. So I've been there for like six months now, just um, on the ice, uh, either three three or four times a week and working out um, five days. So. I've had a pretty pretty good schedule, and I'm lucky enough to have that. Now, you mentioned last year at the World Juniors, having been teammates with Akil Thomas. He was in Niagara prior to, uh, well, there was a trade after the World Juniors, but he spent the bulk of his career in Niagara, so you, you played against him. How about just a couple of scouting reports before we talk World Juniors? What's it like to, to line up and play against Akil Thomas? Yeah, no, so uh, probably against going against Faceoff. He's a very good um, you know, guy at center at doing the draws so um and always my one in there I, I always try to beat him at the draws but i knew it was a difficult task so uh, i know he's really really good on the d zone and um you know funny enough this year he was actually playing defense one game because i, I think they were short quite a bit of players so he's playing defense and um you know it was pretty good back there really skilled so um you know i think he's just really highly skilled player and um great offensively and i think he can definitely uh, maybe see us in the future being team uh, line mates, and um, you know you could set me up quite a bit. I can set him up, so I think um, you know we could definitely match those game quite well. Now there are a few other Kings prospects playing in the Ontario Hockey League. How about Aiden Dudas? Any thoughts about going up against him? He was the captain, of course, in uh, Owen Sound. Yeah, no, I, I think he says um, you know just a motor. Um, you know, he's, I don't think he ever stopped skating and battling. So uh, he's not pretty good in the corners, even though he's. Um, you know, a pretty small guy, but, um, you know, he's definitely big at heart. And, um, you know, I'll meet him at the World Juniors. I'm a really nice guy and got to talk to him quite a bit. So that was good. But, um, you know, he's, he's a speedy guy. 
um, you know, great skill. And, um, you know, I think he really works hard as well and, um, you know, does whatever best for the team um, in any situation. Now, Arthur Kaliev, you've had the chance to play against him in a couple of different jerseys. Uh, he was with Team USA when you were with Team Canada at the World Juniors. He also, of course, played in Hamilton uh, in the Ontario League. What do you think about the Artie party? Yeah, uh, I think he's an unreal shot. You know, he's definitely um, dangerous on the power play. And, um, you know, we, we always would always kind of cheer to his side and um, trying to allow him to take his one-timer, which, um, you know, is a deadly shot. So, wherever he gets that off, you know, you usually think it's going in. So, we... We really had to um, shut him down and um, lock him down on the power play. I think he's, um, you know, a very skilled guy and, um, you know, just great shot. Now, uh, Dudas and Thomas and a couple of those guys, they're overseas right now in Germany doing some training. And Jacob Ingham, the goaltender, he was with Mississauga. He's, uh, and Kitchener as well. He's, he's training with them. Uh, do you remember ever uh, playing against Ingham? And, and what's the tip to beating him? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really want to trip him too much but I uh, know he used to be smart man when, smart man don't give him. don't give away how you score on him that's good that's good he's your teammate exactly now. so uh, yeah or in practice I can just keep doing that until he figures it <laughs> out but um, no he's a very good goalie athletic and um, you know never quits on a play so I um, mean you know, it was definitely a tough shot scoring at seven he was probably the top top goalie um, you know in the OHL this year so um, you know I think he really uh, was the catalyst behind Kitchener this year and um, you know it was just a really tough task for him this year now uh how about if I put you on the spot here? There are six LA Kings players that have had their numbers retired in Los Angeles. You're new to the organization, so you get a little bit of a free pass here, but I'm just curious on your hockey knowledge. How many of those players do you think you could name of the six players that have been retired? Uh, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'll go off probably Wayne Gretzky. That's a good one. one. Yep, 99's uh, retired. Yeah, um... Luke Robitaille? Luke is retired, yes. Number 20, the highest scoring left wing in the history of the game. Yep, Luke's retired, number 20. Who was that? Um, Rob Blake, four. Rob, Rob Blake, number eight, number four. You're right, he is retired. That's three. You're doing better than most prospects. I like this. You're good. Yeah, uh, still trying to think here. Um, maybe... Glenn Murray as well, or no, no. Glenn Murray was not. Although no. he's Muzz is absolutely going to appreciate the fact that you would even think that he would be yes, considered for that. But uh, no, he's yeah. not. He's not retired here in Los Angeles. And to the best of my knowledge, he was not retired in Boston either. Uh, most of the other players were before your time. I'll let you off the hook. You nailed three of them. That's awesome. Oh, you okay. also have guys like Rogi. Right, that. That's good. You have no. You're good. You have guys like Rogi Vachon, Marcel Dion, and Dave Taylor. Oh. Of course, of course, those are all um, well, well before, uh, well before your time. Uh, how well, he's got his new bosses. He got his new bosses <laughs> number right. That's good. That's smart. Yeah, it's great. Got to get Blake right. <laughs> great job there. We need to talk to Rob. Rob was on the podcast a while back. We need to tell Blakey that when he's talking to the noob, to the prospects, kids that probably never saw him play, he needs to introduce himself as like Hall of Famer, you know, Rob Blake. My number was retired in Los Angeles, Rob Blake. He needs to help sort of lay the groundwork so that people will know what's going on. Um, QB, a lot's already been made of your 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 attire, your 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 wife. White uh, suit and your bow ties, but how about this? How about who is the first person besides the shoutouts on Twitter of like random people that you don't know? Um, but who's the first person that contacted you after the draft that you that you know that you have like maybe you know you've been friends with or acquaintances or whatever that you just you were surprised to hear from them because maybe you hadn't heard from them in a while or something like that? Yeah, um, that's a that's a really good question. Honestly, I, I think. A lot of my close buddies, Stephanie, um, you know, gave me uh, quite a bit of text and just a lot of close friends. But, um, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, probably before the draft, honestly, 
a good one. Um, you know, my agency, the Washerman, um, you know, or group, they, they put together a little, um, you know, kind of just a good luck and congratulations um, video for me before. And I saw one of my old coaches, probably, um, you know, one of the best coaches I had, Lance Crandall. He gave me, um, you know, uh, kind of a congratulations, um, you know, good luck on the draft. So, um, you know, I think that's one that I was kind of surprised because, um, you know, I haven't probably played with them since, um, you know, minor hockey. So that was a, that was a very nice one. Yeah. Um, now the Kings obviously had, well, all, all teams really had, you know, multiple months, much longer than normal because of this whole pandemic situation. And I'm, I'm guessing that probably was just, you know, nerve wracking for you throughout the, throughout the summer and just, you wanted to get this thing over with, but at one point, at what point did, did it ever dawn onto you or did you figure it out or did you have a, a, a hunch? Did you know that the LA Kings were taking you or was there just too much noise in the marketplace and you really weren't sure? Yeah, no, honestly, I was uh, I wasn't sure at all until um until they called my name, so I was pretty nervous all the way up, and um you know definitely extremely excited, and um you know definitely happy that they take me, but uh, I had no idea that they would take me on uh, at home, um you know before the draft I only had the Ottawa jerseys and um you know just a box, uh so I didn't really know what the box was, so I thought I was going to Ottawa, and um you know so it was kind of a surprise a little bit, but definitely nervous. When you went to bed the night before. What do you remember your last thought being? Did you talk to your parents? Did you talk to a friend? Did you talk, you know, who who'd you talk to? What what were sort of the last thoughts that went into your head the night before the draft? Or can you not even remember back that far because of everything that's happened since? Yeah, honestly, it's been pretty, um, you know, crazy couple, last couple of days. It's been, um, you know, kind of like a whirlwind. But, um, you know, honestly, I, I don't really know too much what I was really thinking before I went to bed. Probably just talked to my parents about, um, you know, how it's, um, you know, a big day, life-changing experience. And, I mean, I've worked for this for my whole life, and um, you know, they're my biggest supporters. So, um, you know, I think, I think it was probably just talking to them a little bit about it, and um, you know, just how excited I was, and um, you know, how nervous I was as well. So, um, you know, I think that those are my thoughts going to bed, bro. So, Kubi, you've never been to California before, correct? Yeah, no, that's correct. Okay, so how are you going to deal with sixty degree uh, winters and no snow? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. That'll be pretty nice, though. I think. <laughs> <laughs> the Kings uh, still don't know what's going on uh, from a development camp perspective and when they're going to be able to actually have you here from, for, you know, sort of organized drills and that sort of stuff. But uh, what are your plans coming up here over the next couple of weeks or the next month until things uh, sort of clear up? Yeah. Um, I think I'm just gonna probably going to do what I've been doing, um, you know, throughout quarantine, just, I'm just chilling at my house, just, you know, hanging out with a small group of guys, just, I'm, um, you know, like I'm in the bubble with already, and um, you know, it's probably just doing that and just working on skiing, just you know, playing quite a bit of golf. So, um, you know, just the just the usual stuff that I've been doing, and um, you know, we continue that, and it's been working pretty good for me. All right, so our last question, and again, thank you for uh, jumping on here, Kings of the Podcast. We yeah, appreciate sure. it. Can't wait to have you here in Los Angeles for development camp or rookie camp uh, and, and really get to know you more on a personal level, and hopefully you'll have that Dodger hat on like you talked about. But there's obviously, you know, what you're saying in all these interviews and, and, and your mindset is that you want to try to make the LA Kings coming out of camp. The reality is that if you were to look at the, the roster and you're also to look at your age and, and that sort of stuff, there still is. The reality is, uh, let's be real, uh, a chance uh, that you would end up back in the Ontario League this year. How do you balance that uh, that sort of positivity and, and, and forward-looking of this is what I want, this is my dream, I want to make the NHL, and how do you balance that with sort of the reality of I also need to, at the same time, prepare myself for, you know, the flip side, the other 50% of the uh, equation, the other side of the coin. How do you balance those two things on a day-to-day -day basis? 
Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I try, try not to think of it too much, but, um, you know, when it comes down to that, I, I would definitely, um, you know, still be really excited to go back to Sabri. You know, a lot of, a lot of my close friends are um, playing on the Sabri Wolves next year. And, I um, mean, you know, going back there, I think it would be really good for me as well. Just, you know, great coaches and, um, you know, just as well, great teammates. And I think, um, you know, if I go back, I think we have a really good shot at winning, um, you know, the Memorial Cup. So, um, you know, I think that's just a positive thing that you can think about and, um, you know, go by that. But uh, you definitely, um, you know, a pretty confident guy and I have a lot of confidence myself. So, uh, you know, I, I'll be a little bit disappointed if I went back and, um, you know, didn't make the Kings roster. But, you know, that's what, um, you know, I've, I've been trying train for all all this summer and um, what I worked for all my life. So, I mean, I'm going to give it my all and, um, you know, try to prove them and um, earn a spawn the roster. Well, we certainly wish you the best of luck. And like I said, look yeah. forward to seeing you here in Los Angeles. And uh, before that decision comes to pass on whether you will remain with the Kings or head back to the Ontario League, there still would be the World Junior Championships that are headed here in a couple of months. The Kings could have 11 prospects, including yourself, uh, playing in that tournament. It should be fantastic. And so uh, look forward to maybe talking to you again, leading into the tournament, doing a, a pre-tournament preview, or maybe even after uh, things are over and talking about Canada winning a silver medal after the U.S. wins gold. So we we, uh, we appreciate. Oh, 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 no. oh no, what's that? <laughs> you're to stick that in on you, QB. I tried. I tried yeah. to slip it in there. Oh. <laughs> no, you're Honestly, uh, thank you again for coming on. We certainly appreciate it. Congratulations to you and your family for yeah. uh, for all the work that you put in and to getting to this point and being selected number two overall by the Kings. And enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of your time off here. And we'll we'll see you in LA soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Um, we'll be wearing Dodgers hats. So. Oh. Make sure to have that. <laughs> Thanks, QB. There you go. Quentin Byfield. We'll be back after the break with more. Well, I don't know, DB. Uh, third period here. We're back, and that was Quinton Byfield. Any thoughts? Well, you know, he's a pretty good defensive player, John, because you tried to deke him <laughs> on that mention about the World Juniors winning the silver medal, yeah. and he caught it. He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. So, uh, um, look, I credit this kid because he must have done 500 interviews, mm-hmm. right, in the last week. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so to go through this and be prepared and still want to do them and, and agree to do these, it's just – it's, it's a lot for a 17-year-old, but you see the level of maturity. Um, sounds like a really great kid, and he knows what he wants. And, uh, again, I think that uh, what goes into it is that you don't want to drift not only quality athletes but quality people, and Quentin seems to be great. And, you know, John, he's got a lot on his shoulders, right? Not only being the second pick, but, you know, he's one of the, he's the highest black player ever selected in the NHL draft. I mean, there's a lot to deal with here, but he seems like a really grounded kid who's focused, who know what, knows what he wants. So, yeah, Kings fans should be really thrilled and excited after hearing from him and, and what he wants to do. And you certainly have gotten him in line with respect to wearing a Dodger hat and all the other things that a mayor's man or prospect needs to do because there is an initiation process he has to go through. I think he's already aware of it, but you've got him on the right track at least. 
Yes, outstanding. So kudos to him for for falling in line. But also, hey, he knows what's up. He knows he needs to get on Kings of the Podcast. He's not an official member of the LA Kings prospect pool until he comes on the podcast. So uh, good for him. Certainly appreciate his time. Like you said, uh, when I was 17, I had better things to do than you know, talk to, cow, talk, right? talk to a couple guys on a podcast, but uh, we appreciate that. Look forward to, like I said, uh, sincerely look forward to him coming into yeah. LA development camp as, as anybody listening to the show probably knows is one of my favorite times here in Los Angeles and can't wait to have him and all the other prospects in LA and uh, watching scrimmage and the drills and, and getting to know the players and having those, those, uh, you know, face-to-face conversations. TB though, look, yeah. I want to, before we wrap up today, I do want to go back to something we were talking about in the first period, which is the 2021 projected roster for the LA Kings. We talked about some options there at forward and what we didn't spend time talking about was defense and there was a trade recently bringing in Mata coming over. Uh, He's most likely going to play on the top line, I believe, alongside Drew Doughty and just wanted to get your take um, on the trade itself. Uh, How how do you go wrong? You got him for nothing. You got him for an ECHL prospect, right? Um, His cap hit now is 3.3 million. He's not the fastest skater in the world, but yeah, Drew needs a to play with a better player in the moment, right? I mean, at some point, either Mikey Anderson or Bjornfoot are going to elevate and be Drew's partner, right. I assume. Yes. But this is, a, this is, and we talked about it. We talked about the need. Look, they could have went back to, to Ben Hutton, not Ryan. Ben Hutton had good numbers, right? But Mata's 26 years It's exactly, John, what you predicted, right? He's, Mata's 26 years old, right? He's not a 30-year-old free agent pension. He's 26 years old. You've got him for, what, two more years? It's exactly what you need to transition this roster. So, uh, you know, he's not a superstar. He'll give, you, he'll give you at least 18 minutes. Like in Chicago, he played 18 minutes a night. It's exactly like what you predicted, actually, with respect to the type of player they needed, the type of cap hit they needed, and the term on it. So I think it's, an, it's, it's a no-lose trade. I mean, how do you lose on this? This is a guy who's played in the league, is serviceable, um, will be a better pair of a uh, 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 pairing for for Dowdy, it checks all the boxes with respect to the need. It's not the guy that's going to put them over. It's not going to a guy that's going to make them a champion. But it's a guy that, at, in the moment, what you need for the left side of the defense. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic trade in terms of bringing in a bridge player, twenty six years old, yeah. so he is still young enough that he, you know he has some legs under him. He also you know has. Uh, some winning experience in his background, having won those Stanley Cups. And so he's going to be a, a nice fit there up on the top left-hand side, playing alongside Drew Doughty. You'll have Mikey Anderson most likely playing with uh, Matt Roy. So Matt the, Roy. Yeah, there on the second pairing. And then you'll have uh, Curtis McDermott along with Walker. Although really what I think happened is you'll have Clegg and Bjornfoot rotating Clegg. in, yeah. uh, playing with Sean right. Walker on the third pairing, and then McDermott as your seventh defenseman. So, And there's a lot of options there. You can, you know, if, uh, if Mata's not giving you what you need and you wanted to see Bjornfoot, Bjornfoot up there. I know Dowdy was really high on, on Bjornfoot last year yes. uh, at a training camp. So you can play Bjornfoot up there for a couple games, give him a taste, see how it goes. And if they, you know, look, if they strike lightning in a bottle, you move Mata down into the second pairing. Mikey right. Anderson can certainly play on the third pair as well. And, you know, all is fine in the world, uh, right? If, if Drew is engaged, whether it's because he has Mata there and he feels more comfortable to sort of open up his offensive game, or if he gets excited and really likes the energy that the young legs of Bjornfoot brings mm-hmm. to that pairing, what Whatever it takes to get Drew going, look, 
I don't care about his ranking in NHL 21. I don't care yeah, how don't NHL no Network ranks, you know, the top 50 defensemen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody the same thing I've said for a long time. Drew Doughty is one of the three best defensemen in the National Hockey League. And the only thing you need to know to back that up is take a survey of all 31 GMs and Drew Doughty's name is going to come up time and time again. about one of the players, if they only could pick one defenseman, who they're going to take. His competitive streak uh, the competitiveness, the, the fire that burns inside of him is so intense. And you just haven't seen that in Los Angeles in the last couple of years because you haven't needed to. But Drew Doughty is still, still, to this day right now, one of the best defensemen in the world. And uh, if you can get him excited and get him going again with the right guy and get this team into a playoff chase, uh, everybody will remember, just like they started to remember at the end of last season, right? And I said, the death uh, you know, uh, of Jonathan Quick, it was written far too mm-hmm. soon. It's the same thing with Drew Doughty. People will come back around. People will start to remember. I firmly believe, DB, uh, that Doughty will be nominated. I, I can't tell you he's going to win, but I believe that before his career is over, he will be nominated for the Norris Trophy again. Yeah. Well, see, I'm, a, I'm in that camp, though. Like, he, Drew should be really. It's because you're a hater, when DB. He comes to camp. I'm not a hater. I'm a, like a realist here. <laughs> okay. Like, just let John, the last two seasons. <laughs> he's been. Come he's, on. And, he hasn't been Doughty. That's true. <laughs> John. John, I watched Victor Hedman play in the postseason. Oh, here we that's go. That's the and I'm not, all right. That's where this the, that player, John. It, 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 so much of this team revolves around Drew. Like that's the issue, right? I mean, because you mentioned it, they don't have the stud in the in the prospect pool as a defenseman. Right. They have studs up front. So Kopitar, you know, there, there's some cushion there for Kopitar. Mm-hmm. Or Brown, or, or the or the Fords. There's no cushion here in LHA. He has to elevate back to that. Yes. And I think when he looks, if he looks at the last two seasons and looks in the mirror, and says, "I got to be no way, whatever it takes." I agree with you. But I would be really pissed when coming to camp next year and saying, "I'm going to show all you bastards that like uh, like forget your ratings, forget all the stuff, the stuff that you just said, John." Like he's el- got to elevate back to that. 10 goal, 50 assists, 60 point, plus 23 guy. He has to do it this one time. He's making too much money. He's too important to the future of this team still. Um, and I agree with you. When he's at his best, he is in that class. But he really needs to climb back to that class. All right. So Mark Unetti was on the uh, Kings of the Podcast uh, a few weeks yes. back. And uh, he talked about the legendary interview that they did with Drew Doughty prior to his draft year. So we're going to have to get a hold of Todd McClellan. Uh, and we're going to have to let him know that he needs to have a meeting coming into training camp, and he needs to have Yanetti there grilling him for five hours to get Dowdy going again, and then all will be fine in the land of the L.A. Kings. And you know what we could do also? What they should also do, John, is bring in Kyle Clifford as a special consultant <laughs> and have them have that conversation about what he had with that scout from, from Atlanta. <laughs> when he tried to throw him through the window? And the, yes. Exactly. <laughs> Atlanta Thrashers. Maybe have Kyle come in and sit in the corner, and if he needs to step in on Drew, he can step in on him. There are two players <laughs> that someday, somehow, uh, if things work out, I think that need to make their way back to the LA Kings organization in some form. And that would be Ian LaPerriere, uh, who I'm still, I'm actually shocked that he hasn't found his way back yeah. to L.A. yet. But Lappy needs to return to L.A. in some form, uh, as does Cliffy. Cliffy has many years ahead of him still as an NHL player. At the time of the taping DB, he has not yet signed a contract. Uh, yeah. There are a number of teams that are interested, at least three Canadian teams from what I understand. Um, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm going to say the Montreal Canadiens. That's where he's going to land. Do you have a, you want to call your shot right now? I think there's still an opportunity to go back to Toronto. I'm not sure. And, and I don't on think that so. Vein, not, not with them signing Wayne Simmons. I just don't see it. Well, uh, I could be wrong. They could, do, they could use some more toughness. And with, on that vein, um, I reached out to Trevor Lewis 
there's multiple teams developing. Trevor, he's still winning on a on a deal, but his representatives have talked to people. So hopefully he signs on uh, with the team. I assume would probably be an Eastern team um, at this point in time, but he, he's open for anything um, uh, with respect to that. So uh, yeah, and you know, John, there's one thing that you know, we talk about retired numbers all the time, and you quiz Quentin about the retired numbers. What I think they should do at Staples Center is also not only have the retired numbers, but do like a ring of honor. Sure. Guys that like haven't cut it, but are a thread of like a Matt Green or a Stoll or these guys and have a ring of honor that, you know, obviously with the electronic scoreboard, you can do that in it, you know, for the Lakers and Clippers, you wouldn't have that. But I think that's what they should do as well, because, you know, until the next generation of Kings, the great ones like Kopitar and Brown and Daddy retire, like there's going to be a void there. So how do you keep, Interesting. I think that would be kind of a cool idea to do that uh, for players that aren't a Hall of Famers, but yet were so important to this franchise. Well, that was kind of the idea behind L.A. Kings Legends Night, uh, and then that started to wear a little bit thin in, in terms of yeah. um, you know, that whole thing. So, uh, hey, speaking of that, DB, uh, L.A. Kings... We didn't do the numerology portion before we had uh, before we did Byfield. Now, of course, he hasn't worn a number yet in Los Angeles, but um, I think we all know what number he's going to be wearing. And there, there were five players. Just to touch on numerology real quickly, there were five players who wore number fifty-five in Los Angeles. Now, DB, can you name the last player of those five who wore number fifty-five? I believe I can. Is it not the legendary Jeff Schultz? It, it was the legendary Jeff Schultz. Yes, yes absolutely. The 2015-16 season. Uh, we'll, yeah. We should have sent Daryl uh, Sutter a text and asked him for some Jeff Schultz stories. Now, Braden Shin in 2010, right, uh, Shin, when, yes. when he made his NHL debut, he was wearing that number. And then Pavel Rosa, uh, one of the smallest mm. players ever in LA Kings history, he wore that number, uh, number 55. Troy Crowder, a big favorite of Earl Skakel, uh, oh, yes. uh, you know, longtime friend and fan of the show he wore that number and then daryl williams was the first ever player to wear 55 but if everything works out the way this is going to go down is there will only be one more player ever that will wear number 55 in los angeles and that'll be quentin byfield probably a couple years away from him making his nhl debut but uh when when in fact it does happen number 55 byfield start buying the jerseys now people and you know use a coupon on shopnhl.com or something i have i don't have an affiliate with them so uh there's no there's no money coming my way so go to wherever you want cool hockey whatever you need to to get your jerseys uh db fantastic uh a couple of episodes here quentin byfield was great Great. Can't wait to see him. Uh, any parting thoughts this week? No, just a good thing that you, when you did the numerology, you mentioned Earl Skagel so late in the podcast that he has to listen all the way through to hear his name. <laughs> so just a veteran move by you, John. You know, um, <laughs> I'll tell you a quick funny story. In talking with a few, I don't know what the correlation is here, but it struck a funny chord with me. In talking with a few of the LA Kings uh, uh, brass recently, I had two different people tell me, essentially love the podcast, listen to it all the time. You guys are great. Blah, blah, blah. That's not the point. That's, that's I appreciate that by the way. It, made, it feeds my ego. Yeah, Thank you. Course. But the part that totally. I thought I thought was funny was they both said the same thing. I listened to it while doing yard work. And I just, I don't, I don't know why that struck me as funny. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, you know, I have a gardener, so I don't mow the yard, so I don't know, but no, um, nor do I. I guess that's, I guess that's a thing. You, you listen to, you listen to podcast while you're doing yard work. So maybe I need yeah, to get a rose garden. Mobile, <laughs> yeah, one of those, uh, <laughs> lawnmowers that you drive you're sitting on it and you've got your you got your pods in and you listen i to guess the that's fantastic but see, I, I i think of the lawnmower being so loud how did i mean they must have like bose noise canceling headphones yeah. how do they how do they get to 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 listen to us while right now someone's someone's listening to us while they're doing yard work so 
we need to get uh, John Deere Home Depot as a uh, sponsor saying uh, a lot of our listeners listen to him while they're doing yard work. There you go. That's, that's, that's coming up. That's coming up in our next episode. Fantastic. Uh, thank you, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back very soon with uh, a European, I'll just leave it at that, a European uh, twist to our next episode. We'll talk to you guys soon. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where Open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEC. Open makes more possible.